How can we see as God sees? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So Brian, today we are looking at a moment in the ministry of the prophet Elisha, one that is found primarily in chapter 6 of 2 Kings. When we think about Elisha, one of the things that we, and we talked about this on a previous episode, is that his ministry, at, he was in his ministry, he was the successor to Elijah, who is this particular prophet who is called out as being this extraordinary archetype of a, of yeah. a, of a prophet, being the one who did not taste death and whatnot. But as we look at 2 Kings 4 to 8, we see God working really powerfully through Elisha. So um, what are a few of the things that we see and and how do they parallel with, with Elijah's ministry? Yeah, you see this, you know, it's interesting. We've kind of framed this question and, and it's a, a worthwhile question, which which prophet was more impressive and and really it's kind of a, it, it, it's worth entertaining, but it's really a moot question in the end. They're both really impressive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's not a contest, but it's still interesting. And, and if you pressed me, I actually might say Elisha's mm-hmm. was more impressive than Elijah's. I think so. We, so we start, and their, their ministry is definitely parallel. You have uh, you have Elisha uh, being used to help multiply oil for a widow. That sounds mm-hmm. familiar. Um, raising a, a, a son from the dead. Um, restoring this deadly stew that was poisoned mm-hmm. and, and making it safe to eat. Uh, multiplies bread for a group of, of men, a large group of men. Uh, healing Naaman of leprosy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you see these, and again, when I read through those, and, and, and this is one of the things I love, if you, instead of reading that in bites, like each one of those stories in isolation, when we read it the way the scripture is supposed to be read in, in a bigger chunk, you read those one after another, and it, it's hard not to see, oh, this sounds very familiar to what I encounter in the Gospels. Yeah, yeah. Um, multiplying bread, healing leprosy, bringing death to life, uh, or life to death and so forth. Yeah. So, man, it's just an amazingly powerful ministry that he is clearly um, demonstrating that what happened at, at the river with Elijah's departure and that double portion, that, that spirit has been given to Elisha, and he's a man of God. He's a mighty prophet. He is serving well. One of the things that is always cool to me about Elisha's ministry is just the fact that even after he dies, he's still being used by God. Um, there's this just weird, obscure little moment uh, toward the back end of Second Kings, if I remember correctly, and there are these these guys who are th- who are throwing a dead body into an open grave, and it turns out it's the grave of Elisha the prophet. <laughs> um, so this body lands on his bones, and. He comes back to life <laughs> and jumps out of the grave and takes off. This is this is how powerful the work of God was, the power of God was in Elisha's life and ministry that 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 it couldn't even be contained by his death. Um, which, you know, again gives us another little 
you know, a little glimpse of something that's going to pay off, uh, you know, several yeah. centuries down the road, yeah. right? But um, getting back to what we were going to talk about, we were going to talk about um, a key moment in chapter six of Second Kings, um, which is, is during takes place during Israel's war with uh, the nation of Aram. Yeah. So what's happening is, you know, as as the uh, nation of Aram is is making their uh, military movements and so forth, it, they keep getting foiled. Mm-hmm. So they're getting ready to send men to such and such place, and then boom, what happens? They they walk into a trap or whatever. Yeah. And so the king, of course, is not happy about this. What is going on is Elisha, through the power of God, is giving warning to his people, and so that's way that's the way they are able to anticipate these moves, know these moves, yeah, and and, and not respond to them, but proactively deal with them. So finally, the, the king, I mean, he thinks there's a spy and so forth. And, and finally, somebody says, well, here, I, th- I think it's Elisha who's doing this. Mm-hmm. And so he sends this army to go capture Elisha and, and deal with this threat. And so, again, the, the, the focus that we're going to look at is where Elisha is in his tent. Mm-hmm. His servant goes outside, sees this large army, freaks out. Mm-hmm. Says, Elisha... You, you got to see this army. We're, we're in know, trouble. We're in trouble. And Elisha kind of strolls out there, the way I see it happening. He's kind of like, no, this isn't a big deal. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah. And the, and the servant's like, are you, are you nuts? I mean, look. <laughs> and, and and at this point, Elisha prays that the servant's eyes are opened. Mm-hmm. The servant's eyes are opened, and he's able to see what Elisha could see all along. Mm-hmm. And that was the angelic army surrounding them. Yeah. Protecting them. Yeah. And so that's the encounter. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and as it continues, what we see is is that um, God acts on Elisha's behalf. Elisha doesn't really do anything directly in this passage aside from pray. Yeah, um, and and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, God strikes the the Aramean army blind. Yeah, and there's this so, wonderful interchange yeah. between sight and blindness. Yeah, it's all throughout this passage, yeah. and we're going to get to some more of that in a in a minute. But he strikes them blind when and they can't do anything, and so it's like so the the army of uh, of Israel shows up and is like, well, what do you want us to do with these guys? Should we should we run them through? And then he does this thing that's just fascinating. Yeah. He says, "No, show them some hospitality, give them some food, to eat, food, food to eat, something to drink, send them on their way. Give them one of those new Popeyes chicken sandwiches." Uh, is, that, is that what? He, is that what? Well, no, as a man of God, he would have told him to give Chick Fil A. That's true. There you go. There you go. That's Christian, good Christian that's chicken, right, right that's there. That's good Christian hospitality. That's right. So, um, at least if you're in the South, that's um, right, <laughs> and it's not a Sunday. But yeah, so this this is what happens, and it's just nothing about this st- passage turns out the way you would expect, um, because you would expect that he would be that basically he would say, okay, run them all through, yeah. and you know, and we've seen that over and over again in the yeah. Old Testament, especially. Yeah, absolutely. God's enemies are, are vanquished very very right. readily, yeah. and instead it's no show compassion to them, and then they don't attack again. They leave Israel alone from then on, um, and as we as we look at this passage, really the kind of what we've we've shared up to this point is a big part of what we we really want you to see in this passage as, as key elements to pay attention to and pay attention for. 
Um, one of those is just this overall pattern, the fulfillment of the promise that was given in the in the previous chapters um, that that we've looked at and that we've talked about. That um, while Elijah is the great prophet and the most famous, the the archetype, Elisha really isn't that far behind. Um, he's not talked about as much. But he's at least as powerful, if not his greater, yeah. in that regard. And um, and so we see God fulfilling his mandate, his his um, desire to carry on that mission. Um, and and that's a that's something to praise God for as we read this passage. Um, but there's a couple other things as well. Yeah, I think we can't miss Elisha's calmness in this encounter. Um, again, we're, we're reading scripture, so we don't have. Uh, we, we miss inflection of, of, of voice and so forth. We, mm-hmm. we can't visualize facial expressions, but it just seems like, you know, Elijah, it, I don't see stress in him. I, I, yeah. It, it seems like there's this, this calmness. And the reason why that's so Im- important, I believe, mm-hmm. is because it's really revealing his trust in God, his confidence in God in that moment. And that, that's something that we can draw from this as well. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is we see the compassion for the enemies that we talked about. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. That that Elisha calling on compassion to be shown to the enemy who yeah. would not have shown compassion to them. Yeah. That's, that's pretty important as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so as we think about these things uh, that we've called out, uh, what questions should we be asking about this passage? Well, I think the first one is, why couldn't Elisha's servant see what Elisha could? Mm-hmm. So why couldn't he? Well, it, it seems like Elisha's servant was not in tune with the spiritual reality around him. Mm. Um, Elisha was. And, you know, we again, we, we don't have much. We can't go on this. We don't know where Elisha's servant was with God and, and what his relationship with God was like. But at least in this moment, mm-hmm. if not longer term, he was not aware of the spiritual realm. Now, this is where we have to pause and say, the same spiritual realm that was active then is active now. Mm-hmm. There is a spiritual realm that is very real, just as real as our physical realm. Um, there, there is activity in it still. Angels and demons mm-hmm. continue to do what angels and demons do on a daily basis. Yep. This is happening all around us. And in the, in a, in the same way, I think we're often, we're more like Elisha's servant than Elisha. We're blinded to it far more than we can see it as well, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is this is a case where we see the intersection of these two realms, these very real realms where they're overlapped and they're opened up to one another and, and, and you can see them at the same time. Um, and, and so that I think simply Elisha's servant could not see what was going on because basically he's a lot like us. Right. We're, we're in the moment, we're in the now, we're in the physical realm. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's that's a good point. Um, I th- I think one of the other questions that we've got here that that we need to wrestle with is why did Elisha encourage treating the the Aramean army with compassion? Um, we talked about this earlier. It seems really out of step with so much of what we see in the Old Testament. Um, there's all, many times when an, an enemy attacks them, the the call is to vanquish them, to rout them entirely, to yeah. wipe them out in some cases. But here, it's not. Why, why is that, Brian? Yeah, I think this is, and again, we have to be careful. We, we said this before, just because God can doesn't mean he, he must. Yeah. And God is consistent as long as he's acting within his character. Mm-hmm. 
And so God is consistent when he calls on his people to wipe out an enemy. Uh, they deserve judgment. They're under condemnation. Yeah. That's, they're getting what they deserve. Uh, and God is, is equally being consistent when he calls on mercy and grace to be extended. Mm-hmm. And, and I think here, so, so with that said, then I think we say, right, well, why, why does it seem like he... Why does it seem like he wanted Elisha to do something differently here? And I think it's, it's just for that reminder of, of God is a God of grace. And he's mm-hmm. mercy. And who Elisha's pointing is toward Christ. And this blindness and sight thing we're going to see clearly are going to show us Christ and his ministry. I think it makes sense that in this moment we see God's enemies be given grace mm-hmm. and mercy and being spared from judgment they deserved mm-hmm. because that's what Christ came to bring to us. So I think this is all tied together yeah. and I think that's why uh, because this is this is making us keenly aware that we like the the enemy army deserve death. We mm-hmm. deserve judgment. But God graciously sent one to to give us life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Brian, how does this passage point us to Jesus. Well, as we said, this this blindness and sight metaphor running uh, real, yeah. but this, this real picture, but the metaphor as well, running throughout it. So you have Elisha's servant being blinded mm-hmm. to the reality, and then Elisha praying for sight, and he's given sight, and then you have the Aramean army who could see, then they're blinded, mm-hmm. and then they're given some food, then they can see again. So you have this interchange going back and forth, this play between what is unseen and what is seen. And I think it's it's there for an important reason. Again, you think about the ministry of Jesus, mm-hmm. and how often do you think of, of one of the miracles? I mean, leprosy is, is a common one. You see him healing leprosy. But, yep. but he, giving sight to the blind is another one that I can think of, of at least three off the top of my head occasions where somebody was, was, where sight was restored. Most specifically, John 9 is what yeah. I think of, the man who was born blind. Yes. Um, unlike somebody who became blind, this was a man born blind. And in that great passage, one of the things he says is, hey, you guys, when he's questioned by the Jewish leaders, what's happening here? And he says, man, I, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. Yep. And never before has it been have we heard of somebody born blind being able to see? Yeah. And if you read Isaiah, one of the hallmarks of the Messiah would be giving sight to the blind. Mm-hmm. So again, understanding that God is pointing us to Jesus here through the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, this interchange of blindness and sight is a metaphor for this spiritual blindness that Christ came to give us the ability to see. Mm-hmm the gospel, respond to the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit and trust in Jesus, much like what you see the, the servant. Yeah. Elisha prays for his eyes to be opened. He's open. He's able to see the truth around him. So, so this to me, it's an easy, um, beautiful uh, picture of the ministry of Jesus and what Jesus came to do to give spiritual sight to those of us who are blind, which yeah. is all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's one of the most, uh, particularly if you're focusing on just chapter 6, um, that is definitely the one of the key things for us to, to really be paying attention to, particularly as we're looking for how this points to Jesus. Of course, we mentioned earlier how um, in, in his miracles that he performed, there's so many parallels, yeah. and they're 
um, these call aheads to what Jesus is going to do, but to an even greater degree. Yeah, so if you have time with your mm-hmm. group, you could back up those and at least summarize, hey, this is what happens here. Hey, where do we see this in the Gospels? Yeah. Where do we see the feeding, the multiplying of bread, of course, feeding yeah. the 5,000 plus or 4,000 plus, you know, healing a leper and so forth. And you, you can set this up. Hey, where do we see sight being given to the blind in the Gospels? And that's your, your, uh, that's your really end. neat way to get to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, and that, that's a really great transition point for us to, to be thinking about this, this passage further from the perspective of, of someone who is leading um, other adults or teenagers, students, um, or in their kids' ministries, they're studying the Bible for themselves. Um, what additional guidance can we offer them in working through this passage? You know, one I think we see in Elisha and his servant that mm-hmm. each one had a different perspective. Mm-hmm. When Elisha's servant went out there, his perspective was, oh no, we're, we're done for doom and gloom. Yes. Elisha walked out there, had a totally different perspective because he could see the reality of what God was doing. And he said, hey, this is no problem. Mm-hmm. So I think what we have to understand here is that a lot of times um, our perspective is different from God's and it's up for, for us to ask God to help reorient our perspective to the right one. Yeah. A lot of times we are quick to shake an angry fist at God and saying, no, you dropped the ball. You failed in this way. And God is saying, no, 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 you don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. I see everything. You don't. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we need to, in humility, understand that we we don't know ourselves as, as well as God knows us. We don't know our situations as well as God does. We can't control our situations. God is sovereign. And so for us to say, help me to frame and reorient my perspective based on what is true of you, God, not what I believe is best. I think that is something that we can encourage our people toward. Yeah. I think any any group that's meeting, talking about this, there's going to be somebody mm-hmm. in that group at least who's going through some some serious adversity. Yeah. And this is a message they need to hear, a message of, of hope, a message of encouragement, a message that calls us to, to act. Yeah. That, hey, no, we've got to put our faith in God. We've got to trust in God. It's hard, mm-hmm. but it's worth doing. Right. So that perspective. Yeah. And and that's certainly true of children as well. I mean, one of the things that we can't forget is is that um, if we're teaching kids a passage like this, that that encouragement applies to them, too. We we have a tendency. This is a a very broad we in a very broad statement, but um, we do have a tendency to talk down to children, um, particularly on difficult truths mm-hmm. and difficult realities. And that's something that the Bible doesn't do at all. Um, it calls us to a higher standard of of training children in the way that they should go. Um, you know, parents in particular taking the lead on that with their own children. Um, but if we're serving in kids ministry at our churches like I do, um, that's something that that it is incumbent upon me to, to play a part in that. Yep. And so I don't, so if you're like me and you're serving kids who aren't your own, um, we need to be doing the same thing. We need to be walking through these things um, in as concrete a way as possible um, and for them because depending on the ages that we're serving, abstract concepts are a little bit hard for them. It's not always easy to just say, well, God has a different perspective yeah. than we do. It's like, well, what does that mean? Um, one of those things that we we can remind them is that, well, God plans everything out from, from beginning to end. 
He knows what's going to happen from beginning to end. There's nothing that is going to surprise him. And everything God does is for our good and his glory. And so that is, and, and, and to be reminding them of those, those truths constantly. Um, and then take an, then go a step further and actually take an example. Yeah. Talk about it. And if you can do it as a, as a leader, if you can do it and talk through it from an example in your own life when you were their age, if you can remember that far yeah. back. Um, I'm having trouble with that now um, <laughs> because my class got a lot younger all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> so it's funny how that works. I know it's it's really hard. They're all they're all six year old boys. Oh dear. <sighs> oh dear. So maybe I need God's perspective um, on my class mm. right now because it's chaos. Um, <laughs> but so so maybe God can open up my eyes you to see what He's doing. Army all around your room. That's right. That's right. Um, but Brian, I think this is a good place for us to, to close off this conversation. <laughs> um, so uh, thanks for chatting yeah. about this today. And uh, listeners, thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. <laughs>